Welcome to Mages and Murder Dads, the only show that's dedicated to the Baldur's Gate series, and we still have not yet checked to see if that is true. No reason to. Nope, I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. And today we're talking about Baldur's Gate 2, uh, in, in the same way that last episode we talked about Baldur's Gate 2, and for the next 35 episodes we'll be talking about Baldur's Gate 2. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with Mages and Murder Dads, we're kind of like a half Let's Play, half podcast kind of show with a video element to it that sometimes is very relevant and sometimes is less relevant. And uh, we just kind of talk about the the game as we go along. If you're interested in getting started from the beginning, you can go back one episode. And if you're interested in seeing what we've been doing since the very beginning, all the way back, you can go back to the very episode one of the series where we began playing Baldur's Gate 1. Yeah, we actually anticipated this, and that's why we've been demarcating the episodes with numbers in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So you can go down to the description and find all of that out. But hopefully you've been listening this entire time. And uh, hopefully you're the kind of person who's following us on Twitter and on Facebook and liking and subscribing us here on YouTube and uh, leaving good old comments on uh, YouTube and on, on Reddit. How about mm-hmm. that? All that stuff. Shout out to literally all of those things. And yeah. you could uh, help us out by doing all that stuff. And you can also help us out by by sending a, a few a few coppers to to Patreon. You can uh, you can support the show on Patreon. But you know what? Let's get to the show. Let's talk about that show. Mm-hmm. What happened? I'm doing the clap. I'm doing the Twitter clap emoji in the middle. What okay. happened when you played this game? Wow. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to think about where we were at the end of last episode, which was standing in a crater. Mm-hmm. Set that scene. We're standing, confused. Um, a, a, a weird guy and other weird guys just took away a young woman that I don't really care about. Mm-hmm. And I'm angry because I don't like one of those weird guys. Who I don't like any, any of the weird guys. I, Balthazar... Half orc barbarian, probably, probably like a, a real force in the world. Probably like people people whisper my names my name in, in hushed tones. In case you showed up to to uh, like their wedding, mm-hmm. to whip a thousand asses, yeah, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've come to chew bubblegum and to kick ass. And bubblegum has not been invented, nor will it be in, like, hundreds of years. Do you think, you know, based on what you just said there, do you believe mm-hmm. the Forgotten Realms is in, in our past? Wait. That's not... Well... I thought that was kind of the the fiction we were working off of here. I feel like you were not paying attention to the lore episodes. <laughs> well, look, even if, let's say, the Forgotten Realms is in an alternate dimension, right? You mm-hmm. can get there through a variety of different magical means. A right? wardrobe. A wardrobe. You can get there through, what's that city? The City of Keys? Sigil. Sigil that is featured heavily in Planescape Torment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at 
uh, Forgotten Realms as a place, as a, a milieu. There are a lot of things that are very similar between it and like feudal Europe, right? Mm-hmm. And like I don't, I, I don't know. When I think about a lot of the those kind of conventions, those kind of cultural and economic conventions that were in place in feudal Europe, also in place in the Forgotten Realms, it makes me think. You know, give give Forgotten Realms a few thousand more years. Is it not possible that they're going to be able to get the same technology we have? And so you think they're only a couple hundred years away from chewing gum? Sure. Okay. Yeah, and like, I mean, look, you got you got to put it in in perspective here. The difference between like the internet and the French Revolution is just you know, it's hundreds of years. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, at some point, we'll probably play uh, Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, mm-hmm. and that game precisely uh, makes this argument. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if a uh, what if uh, a fantasy world was able to be all steampunky with magic and and whatnot? See, we went into this episode thinking there wouldn't be a big question, but look at us. We we organically developed a quote unquote. Big question. Real popular segment. Real popular with the kids. Mm-hmm. Tween demographic. YouTube's been breaking that down for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got we have uh, very strong analytics. So, uh, so Balthazar standing there in that crater, mm-hmm. doesn't angry, d- doesn't have a single idea what to do or where he is. Really, uh, that's true. Well, someone tells you you're in Athkatla. Yeah, I don't know where that is. <laughs> not a, not a student of geography. Barbarians are illiterate. Well, that doesn't mean they can't read a map. It just means they can't read language. Well, look, they can't. If if they can't read language, they can, they won't be able to know which way is north. And if you're looking at a at a map and you can't determine which way is north, that's not a map. That's just a drawing. Well, this is a real okay. Well, uh, semioticians in the audience, <laughs> uh, get back at us uh, about literacy and map reading. Mm-hmm. But uh, so what's the what's the first thing you did? I mean, I mean, at the end of the last episode, I said, "Look, we're gonna go, we're gonna go hog wild here in in Athkatla, capital of the the country of Om in the mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms. Um, we're we're just gonna go for it." So what did you do? Where where did you go for it? I found a merchant and I sold my my sundries and goods that I picked up in a uh, some madman's dungeon that I was in in episode twenty. Uh and I went into an inn called the Mithrest Inn, which uh, was relatively, you know, sparsely populated story and mechanically, right? Just had a, had a few interesting folks in there. But I went upstairs to kind of the rooms and I met a band of, uh, I met a band of jerks, really. Um, and their names really speak for themselves. There was Pookie. There was Sorceress Amon, and that that was this person's name, Sorceress Amon. I wish that Ticklevar could go back in time and be named Sorceress (laughs) Amon. Not even Sorceress Ticklevar, just Sorceress (laughs) Amon. Yeah, it's a good name, whoever came up with that. That's a good name, yeah. But it does imply that Sorceress Amon, when he was like in school... There was another Aemon that was not Sorceress, <laughs> and they had to, like, they had to specify. Um, and there was Orc Slicer and Minkar Pebble Crusher. And then, after all those, like, weird names, just Brennan. <laughs> Welcome to my humble establishment. 
And uh, I intrude on one of their conversations, mm-hmm. and they uh, they kind of insult me, and then I spend the next fifteen minutes of my life like finding out how to kill them. And I had to like use a, a haste potion, a speed potion of speed, to like accomplish this. But like, I'm just role playing pretty heavily, and when somebody insults Balthazar, it's just it's very difficult for them not to die. This is going to be a long way down for you. <laughs> like this is going to be a the this this show Mages and Murder Dads is going to be turning into uh the complete inverse of what it was before which was me telling stories of how it took me a million years to complete basic tasks. <laughs> and now finally Balthazar will have to be taking a million years to complete basic tasks. Well, here's the thing though, my basic tasks it's a self-imposed cuz it's not like you fought these people. Yeah. Well, right. I didn't even go there. Sure. Where did you go? I went to the Den of the Seven Veils, literally a tavern right next door. Oh. And there was nothing in there, at least as uh, as far as I could tell. But there was a guy named Alatea, Alatello de Bonito. Ooh. I'm sure, that's like a, I'm sure there's like a funny joke in his name, I bet. Mm-hmm. But uh, he told me he was a bard, and he sang me a song. And then the person who owned the bar, the barkeep, told him to shut up. And he apparently he was just an accountant slash wizard, and he was not supposed to be singing. Man, when you're an accountant wizard, you you need to stay in your respective lanes. Well, he's already got two. He's already got two. Yeah, that's plenty of road for anybody. There's no need to be a bard on top of that. Mm-hmm. Well, he wanted to be, so he was trying to triple class. Mm. You got to go to accountant school. You got to get your CPA license, and you got to go to wizarding academy. Yeah. And then you got to start all over being a singer-songwriter level one. Mm-mm. You just uh, you, you just stay on the road the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You tour in the summers. You can make it work. Mm-hmm. But the, I feel like the big attraction here in the promenade is there's there's the circuses in town, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the big area that we're in here that we that we like dumped out into after that initial little encounter. The promenade, and this is mm-hmm. like a place where you can buy and sell stuff. And so there's a million. People everywhere buying and selling various objects. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't really buy any of them, but yeah. So we we both ended up at the circus. And, and at first, and at first, they're saying, "Hey, something's gone very wrong. You don't want to go in there." But you did, didn't you? Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So I talked to a guy named Fergus, and he was like, "Yo." Uh, the circus is all goofed. Uh, I saw all kinds of bad stuff happening and I ran out. He's like a very cowardly man. Mm. And then, uh, so yeah, so I go in there and it's, it, you know, it's a circus tent from the outside and on the inside, it's like uh, a dungeon. Yeah. Kind of a, a fancy one. Yeah. Like a lot uh, of marble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that I saw in there was there's like a, a, a bridge and then a genie. Yeah, this ga- I think you wrote this game seems about thus, thus far ten percent genie. Yeah, you, like you would believe <laughs> if you only played the first two hours of this game, and that- somebody asks you what's Baldur's Gate about? Well, it's really just a series of encounters like spur- with genies. Yeah, yeah, it's like genies. Clearly, there's some sort of meta genie plot here, where like it all comes together in the end, Lost style. Where you find mm-hmm. out like you're trapped in thirteen layers of genie hell or whatever, <laughs> but no, I don't even think there are very many genies from here on out in the game. Mm. 
we're gonna think, we're gonna keep a genie count, and I'm gonna have Kunzelman every time we meet a genie. There's gonna be one more to the genie count. It'll appear like in the bottom right hand corner. Well, this is what this is three. This is three genie. Yeah, we're at three now. Okay, I'll write that down. Write it down okay, genie rad. Count. You better keep up with this. I will. We have to have something replace the Elminster man. It is like a gimmick that mm-hmm. happens occasionally. Mm-hmm. You're not really supposed to tell the audience that. I don't think. I think while you're writing it down, this is I'm just filling airtime here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then the genie and he uh, he tells you some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, nothing useful. <laughs> I think he tells you all kinds of useful stuff. I'm pretty sure. I think Balthazar as a character just tunes genies out at this point. <laughs> well, the last genie gave him a sweet sword. He should be more oh. genie appreciative. I earned that sword. Is it more like, are you, is, is, is Balthazar's relationship with genies more of a what have you done for me lately kind of relationship? <laughs> I think it's just a deep skepticism, right? Mm-hmm. They, they ask riddles, on... which we already went over. It's mm-hmm. antithetical to Balthazar. And this one asks two separate riddles. God. Oh. Did, did you fight it? How did you... Tell me how you how you encountered this genie. I think uh, it was a little bit of... Uh, it was a little bit of narrative work I was doing and a little bit of uh, kind of Danny as the player work. Mm-hmm. Um, in that for a while I was just saying, I don't know. And then uh, I think the last third of it was Danny as a player clicking, and then mm. eventually the dialogue stopped. <laughs> so yeah, so the the, the first thing <laughs> that happens is the the genie says, uh, "Hey, what's up? This entire zone has been taken over by uh, the great Kala." Mm. Kala, kind of kind of a Kali Ma. Mm-hmm. kind of thing and uh then he says hey uh prove yourself let me ask you a riddle and he asked me a very complicated like how old is your sister you're six your sister is two uh how old will your sister be when you're three times as old as your sister was when you were one years old like that kind of thing sure sure and i straight up immediately said i don't know i mm-hmm. and I, I actually think the dialogue option is i surely do not know <laughs> mm-hmm because uh, I definitely wasn't like uh, I was not going to write a single thing down to answer a video game riddle, mm-hmm. and so the the next one was the the classic, uh, you know, um, the poor have it, the rich don't need none of it, blah blah blah. That kind yeah. Of and thing. as I'm reading that, the first thing I'm thinking of was, well, my gut instinct is murder because that's the answer to every fucking riddle in this game. But let mm-hmm. me read it a second time just to make sure. And mm-hmm. I think the answer was nothing instead mm-hmm. of murder. Well, I was looking for health care, and I couldn't see it on there. <laughs> hey, oh, 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 hey. How about that? But yeah, yeah, the answer was nothing. Oh, that's 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 a timely one. Uh-huh. That's, that's going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the, the answer is nothing, and he's like, Woo, good job. And he like flies away. He like zips out of existence somehow. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went to another room, and there was an ogre there, and it was just screaming at me. Yeah. So tell me about you know, how you handled this ogre. So the ogre basically was saying, "Hey, looks can be deceiving here. I, I am, I am not, I am not an ogre." Uh huh. And you know, I'm look. 
I'm not even out to kill ogres. I've Balthazar's killed all the ogres he's met so far because they've attacked him, right? Mm-hmm. So if an ogre's saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not an ogre," Balthazar's like, "Look, I don't care whether you're an ogre. Are you are you a good person? Are you, are you gonna attack me?" And mm-hmm. this ogre did not attack me, so I talked to it, and this ogre said that they weren't an ogre, which I don't care about. And said that they had been... It's like an illusion, basically. And that everything's backwards here. So, does does Balthazar believe that? Because that seems like a visual riddle. Mm-hmm. Seems like you might just straight up murder... Like, I thought we were going to enter into this conversation. And you were going to say, I killed that ogre immediately. Well, the ogre talked to me before I got... I like, and didn't attack me. Mm-hmm. I got you. So, well, what'd you do then? So, the ogre said that there were, that everything was kind of topsy-turvy, and the things that look like they're harmless are actually very uh, menacing, or the things that are harmless are menacing-looking, and the menacing-looking things aren't necessarily dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. And the ogre who identified herself, it was a woman's voice, as because uh, I think it's actually voice acted, if I mm-hmm. recall, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and she identified herself as Aerie. And uh, she said, hey, go and go and look. And kind of in the north part of the room, there's the key to, like, release me from this illusion. But they, it, they're not being carried. By, well, they're being carried by monsters, but the monsters don't look like monsters. They just look like normal folk. Can I, can I, uh, let, let's run through a thought experiment here. Sure. Okay. So, so uh, let's transport Danny into this situation. Okay. And let's run through some creatures that if you were in the circus, you would think, uh, like, would you think they were, uh, good or bad? Okay. Okay. Uh, praying mantis. Like a, a, an anthropomorphic one, like a mm. three cream or just, just no. a praying mantis? Praying mantis. Like in this world where the... The good things look bad, and the bad things look good. Praying Mantis. Are, is that a human in disguise, or is that a monster? That would be uh, an actually good thing. Uh, a, a Teddy Ruxpin. A bad person. Mm. Captain Kangaroo. Like the the fellow? Yeah, the fellow. With the children's show? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a bad person, unless there was some nefarious deeds that Captain Kangaroo you know, committed that I'm unaware of. Rainbow Dash from My Little Pony. Ooh, I don't know if that that character's a villain or not. Not a villain in the show. In the show? So yeah, if not a villain in the show, then actually a villain in this illusory reverse world, right? Mm, okay. So this seems like pretty cut and dried for you. Well, yeah, in terms of uh, if you're talking about Danny. Mm-hmm. Captain Kangaroo that- murdered people. Oh, man, is that true? That's true. In real life, he was in the military. Captain oh. Kangaroo has confirmed kills. But uh, it was in defense of the state. But for a foreign government. Um, I'm making very wide eyes right now. Like, I've tick- just really sprung one on you. Ticklevar uh, has no problem with people, like, doing deeds for the preser- you know, preservation of the state. Oh, okay. Oh, for the state form. I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, uh, so you, uh, I, yeah, I did the same thing in the in the uh, key 
to like get her out of being trapped in ogre form or whatever is being held by some humans. Mm-hmm. And I just took her word for that and immediately killed them. Oh, like, wow. I didn't even initiate dialogue, nothing. I initiated dialogue because I didn't want to get one pulled over on me because that's just happened about the Zara a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually those humans attack you. Yeah, yeah, I assume they were coming for me. But yeah, so mm-hmm. then uh, we got, or I got her, and then I put her in my party. Ooh, did what, you, what is Aerie? You didn't do that, huh? No, no. What did you say? Like, uh, get along? Get going? Yeah, sure. I, I've, it's, it's so... My reaction to all of these characters with portraits is the same. It's like, nah, I'm cool. Gotcha. Well, where does she go? I think... So she either chills out or she walks out. Mm. One of the two. Gotcha. But I can't remember. Yeah, she's a mage and a cleric. And I think... I've gotten in trouble with this before with the the viewer listeners, but I believe that she is one of the better characters in the game. Kind of, period. Mm, is that what you mean by goody-goody, or do you mean goody-two-shoes like lawful good? She's a real goody-two-shoes. Mm. Just in her character interactions, um, I, I'll talk about I'll talk about some of those later. I don't think she's going to stay in my party mm. overall over the long term of the game. I don't for I don't, mechanical reasons or role play reasons. For role play reasons, I don't much like having her around. Whoa! I don't like her perspective on a number of things. Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, so she, but she's very good right now because uh, as of, uh, you know, when I enter the, the circus, my party is Ticklevar, Sorcerer, mm-hmm. uh, Druid slash, no, I think she's just a Druid, right? Uh, Jahira. Sure. Uh, and then Yoshimo. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue. Yeah, Thief. And then, uh, who's our other one? Minsk, who's a Ranger fighter. No, he's just a Ranger. Mm-hmm. That plays right. like a berserker. Play like tries to play like a berserker for sure. So yeah, so we need another magic user, and whoop, we scooped her up, and then we went in to go fight Kala. This is interesting. The fight with Kala. This whole into the kind of the next chamber. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of werewolves that attack you, and shadows too, and shadows, right? And. I don't know about this next room because the next room might as well not exist. Like you could just rush to the next door. Mm-hmm. Basically, the genie appears and means mean mugs you again. Um, yep. be- before you enter kind of the final chamber of the circus, mm-hmm. but eventually you get there. And Aerie wanted you to find uh, like one of her comrades, I believe. Yeah, her uncle Quail. Yeah, her uncle Quail is there. And when you get to the final thing, Quail warns you, "Hey." Uh, you better watch out, or it may, may even be the genie that warns warns me, but I don't pay attention to the genie, I pay attention to Quail. Um, says, hey, if you, like, try to hit something that isn't real, it'll become real if it's not real. Like, mm-hmm. if it's kind of like the Peter Pan version of monsters, like, if you believe in it, they're real. Um, You're talking about Hook? Yeah. Talking yeah. about Robin Williams? Talking about Dustin Hoffman. Mm, okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. The uh, the last fight's interesting, and I, I like take a, a long time to do it because I'm so hesitant to attack anything because I don't want to make it real. But I'm just being like attacked by a bunch of those werewolves and shadows, and nothing is hurting me. So I'm like, oh, none of this stuff is real. Um, 
And it, and then I like attack Quail because I'm like, oh, maybe qu- this is the trick. Quail is the real problem. Like, and and the uh, the gnome in the middle called the Great Kala is is uh, is is nothing, right? Okay. But but Kale's real, so I had to reload and just attack like the the ogre. Like I think it's like an ogre mage is the model. Yeah, in the he's middle. something. He might even be a demon. I'm not quite a sure. Demon, like something, I, yeah, yeah. It's a model I'm not familiar with. Now, what happened when you killed Quail? Nothing. Oh, like the fight continued. Hmm. Well, that would have been interesting. Yeah, to find to, out to, to see like how that quest works when if Quail is dead mm-hmm. when you ex- um, explicitly kill him. Yeah, but yeah, if you just attack the ogre mage or whatever it is in the middle, uh, it turns into a a little gnome, and, mm-hmm. and you you know if it wasn't for us meddling kids, you know. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, this is very strange. So yeah, like the 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 reveal is that this is an all an illusion. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that he was very good at illusions, and um, and it was payback because he was an illusionist and a gnome, both of which are not respected, and people treated him bad all the time, and so, so he's dying, and you're like, yo, like you got what you deserved, you, you know, you, you were letting all these people get killed by all these big old monsters you summoned, and he was like, well, I was just giving back to them. What they gave to me all the time, they were huge dicks to me, and so I was just, you know, mean back, and they died, whoops-a-daisy. And he's, like, coughing that out with his last breath, and then there's no comment on that. Hmm. Like, Quail, like, the, he's still around, Aerie's around, they have a conversation, and Quail is like, well, I was nice to him. Like, I wasn't bad to that guy. And there's just Interesting. Nothing. Yeah, so it's like, you meddling kids... I'm the protagonist of my own villainous story. Don't you see my perspective with no one else reacting to it as if it did not occur? Well, he is dead, right? He is dead. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, you know how I killed Kala? How? I uh, went into the room and I shot one skull trap into it and it killed everything in the room. What? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm level 11. So. When it comes to skull trap, it's just a mine. It's like a is it's a fireball that is a mine. Yeah. Mhm. And just mm. like a real mine if you just throw it into a group of people, it's like a grenade. Hmm. And mm-hmm. it's better than fireball, like it does more damage. Yeah, it's like one level higher than fireball and so it's doing like x percent more per level basically because it scales like all those spells do. It's probably just as like I imagine it's only marginally better than fireball. But I, uh, I didn't get fireball. But it may it, maybe it has a smaller radius of effect. But also, you can like put it in a hallway or something, and then run away, and it, it'll just wait there. Mm-hmm. Does it leave a symbol on the ground? Yeah, it's like a little floating skull. Mm. Like it's you know, it's what you might think. Flavorful. Mm-hmm. It is. But yeah, so I I one shotted that dude. Damn, mm-hmm. it's pretty sweet. Or maybe well, I think go. maybe it blew up and it took most of his health out and he began to run away in fear and then I then I got him. I got gotcha. you. Don't do illusions near me. Mm-hmm. I don't respect it. <laughs> it's bad magic. You, is that your uh, your enemy school? <laughs> oh no, you're not a wizard. You don't have those. <laughs> no, I know. But if mm-hmm. I did, all schools of wizard, wizardry are my enemy school. Because oh, there it's you in go. My blood. It's, you just unhinge your jaw mm-hmm. and it just. 
erupts, a skull trap flies out of there. So that's all I really did in the promenade. As I left the promenade, I saw that I saw that vampire. I think it's the same vampire from uh, from Irenicus's dungeon. Dang. Yeah, I think it's like Harishan. Otherwise, there are just vampires everywhere in Akatla. I, I think there are vampires everywhere. Like, I think that's a real thing. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, Baldur's Gate has iron shortages. Om um, just has a vampire problem. Just a I, real I, bad. <laughs> the further we get in this game, I think, yes. Like, I think that's their primary domestic issue, is vampires. <laughs> There's an entire like department in their in their government just dedicated to mm-hmm. kind of the vampire issue but they're really only like a big data organization they don't do any like like actual civic duty work they're not no it's the totally sewers. just a neoliberal like we're managing the problem look at these statistics we've got a new like vampire buyback problem program <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the vampire percentage has gone down 0.47% in the government district i mean what do you want from us yeah we're Look, moving who around. are we? Who are we to question the overarching truth of the vampire issue? Like we, the the best we can ever possibly do is kind of contain it and help people lead normal lives as vampires continue to wreak havoc on on them and their families. Now, look, it will cost a lot, but it's going to cost way more to kill the vampires. <laughs> now, think about this: we could put them all on buses and take them to Kalimshan. <laughs> And they would live in Kalimshan, they wouldn't be our problem anymore, and that would cost 47% less. Think about that. Voluntary, uh, vol- <laughs> voluntary yeah. deportation. Voluntary, um, uh, vampire relocation. There you go. Mm-hmm. Dear These Lord. are all real things we are talking about that, <laughs> that governments do. God, we live in, we live in, Jill Stein's America's rough. <laughs> It is. Oh, it's so rough we had to, like, cut a full ten minutes out of this podcast from earlier. <laughs> Can you spot where the cut was? Uh, leave it in the comments. Probably not. They probably can't. Um, so, yeah, so I went to the slums. That's In fact, that's the only place you can go um, straight out of the promenade here. Really interesting that the kind of the the mercantile center of the town is only accessible through the slums. That's some that's some progressive uh, city design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone has equal access. Sure. Um, well, no. I mean, I like the from from a, like a, a practical narrative design perspective. I like the idea of like, look, we want to make sure that you get this next little bit of narrative content in this like fairly open game, a game mm-hmm. that's about to open up so much that it might stress you out. In fact, it might break this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it it makes everyone's job uh, much more difficult. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so we have to go to the slums and when we get to the slums, we meet a guy named Galen Bale. Coo! 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 Cause that's what he does. Yeah. They were like, oh, what's a good character hook? Uh, what about bird noises? <laughs> it's, uh, it's exactly kind of the way that, uh, that as a DM, when, when you kind of make a, a new NPC and you're about to play it kind of one thing that you see in a lot of guides is look you can have a great backstory you can have a great uh accent but you've got to have something that stands out so that the the adventuring party remembers this person and what i remember from galen bale is coo coo and it worked it worked yeah it's good design that is still good advice so he has a proposition 
for the party. And that is that he knows where Imowen was taken. He knows where Irenicus is, because Irenicus is with Imowen. And he will tell you that and give you the help you need to get there. Whoa. But it's going to cost a bunch of money. Wait, so how much money? Like a thousand gold? A little more than a thousand gold. Think about how much money that guy lost in Siege of Dragon Spear. <laughs> okay. Like, go back in your brain. Think about mm-hmm. how much money you had at the end of Baldur's Gate 1, and then how much you, like, gambled on the ponies or whatever. <laughs> so how yeah. much was that? That was, like, a hundred thousand. That wasn't a hundred thousand. It was probably, like, I think it was, like, sixty or seventy thousand. It was a lot of money. Okay, so not that much. So that's, okay. your, that's your ceiling. Yeah. It's 20,000 gold. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I, when I speak to this person, I've got 5,000. Where, where'd you get all that money? Oh, because you sold everything from... I sell everything that is not mm. a Balthazar thing. Mm. Yeah, you're going to have a lot more money than I will. I will. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I think I had probably like 3,000 at the time. Mm-hmm. I had a real uh, different kind of money sink that I'll explain in a minute. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so he says 20,000 gold, and then chapter two triggers. Mm-hmm. And so chapter two of Baldur's Gate 2 is this kind of well-known, um, I was going to say issue, but it's not really an issue. It's more like a feature. Yeah. It's, where the it's game, not a bug. It is a feature. Where the game completely opens up, and you can do basically everything like probably 20 hours worth of content. Yeah. In chapter Virtually, 2. Virtually probably 80% of the side quests. Yeah. Right? Yes. Now you can do basically every piece of side quest content in the entire game during chapter 2 and and so the idea is like you're trying to get the this 20,000 gold for this guy, so you kind of look for any kind of quest that you could do and the the narrative of the game like the the Imowen Irenicus whatever story going forward just pauses here. Mhm. And we're going to spend the next probably 10 episodes doing nothing involved with them at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. No, it's a really cool thing, but like I can't think of any other game that does something like this. And you know, when we talked to to Phil Daigle in the in episode 19, Mm-hmm. Uh, the designer for Siege of Dragonspear and uh, worked on all these enhanced editions that, you know, he spoke really highly of uh, Chapter 2 of Baldur's Gate 2. He spoke really highly, and they, he also kind of confirmed, maybe not some of, some of our direct suspicions, but Chapter, I believe it was Chapter 10 of Siege, was like much, much larger and more sprawling than the other chapters in Siege. And uh, he said, yeah, we were kind of going for a Chapter 2 from BG2 kind of feel for that chapter where it kind of opened up. Siege is a little bit more linear of a game, so it definitely had a different feel, but uh, it it was kind of a, a similar thing where, hey, you've got to do these tasks, and here's like a large space in which to do those tasks. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that th- this opens with like this really short cutscene that I maybe isn't even worth getting into, but we get this like weird um, cut to Irenicus and Imowen in a prison like being being I don't know like prison guarded by some cowled wizards kind of being sentenced yeah yeah exactly and they're Mm -hmm. being imprisoned in this like wizard jail I think this is worth talking about okay what do you want to talk about it I think this is worth talking about because throughout our experience in Baldur's Gate 1 and Siege of Dragonspear 
cutscenes are things that happen to the protagonist, to, to like Balthazar Ticklevar, or they are, uh, or occasionally you'll have a cutscene where it's a dream, right? You'll have dreams. Those were very common throughout the games. And there were a few occasions, like with the scrying pool in Siege of Dragon Spear, where you got to see stuff where maybe you weren't there, but you were like looking in the scrying pool at it happening, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time, and I'm sure a commenter will be able to call us if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time where there is a cutscene where it is not a dream, and it is just a thing that is happening in the world where the protagonist is not there. It is Emowyn and Irenicus. Yeah, it's a real formal break. Yeah. In the biz, what we would call a formal change. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think this is interesting because, and one thing that I made, that I popped out there, is Emowyn the co-protagonist of this video game? Like, can we draw that kind of conclusion based on that formal change? No. The end. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode, everybody. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, maybe so. Like, I think that we need to see if it happens again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, does it become a uh, uh, kind of part of the rhythm of this game? Um, yeah, we got to find out. But it certainly points to the importance of this character. A lot of things are pointing to the importance of the character. The fact mm-hmm. that she's kind of like the main, like in a lot of the dialogue. For example, with Galen, right? You have an uh, you have very strong options to be like, yeah, anything for Emmeline. I never answered any of those ways. I was always like, yeah, I need a Renicus. Yeah, I like after Renicus. I like that the game gives you that that you can either like want to get revenge on just a dude who had you captured for a long time. A Mm -hmm. a kind of uh, what's that? uh, What's the thing that's about that? It's like a revenge tale. Yeah, yeah, Django. Um, it's just like, this is clearly patterned off of that. Um, uh, or you could, you know, like, uh, my sister, she's very cool. Mm. Gotta rescue her, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Not, which is not a thing that either of us have, um, that's not like a narrative or a role play that either of us have really embraced in these playthroughs. Yeah. So, but I've, I've kind of moved toward that. I've chosen the MON options more often than not, I would say. Gotcha. Okay. So we only really did one more thing. And I think we're right on time to talk about this. We got a, a, yeah. good, a goodly amount of time. Mm-hmm. We went to perhaps the most hmm, well-remembered location in all of Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah. I would, I would say that that's, uh, that's accurate. And I, when the second I got in here, a lot of memories came back. It's been a long time since I played this game, but this was a very memorable location for me. And I think one of the reasons is the way that this location is set up. It is the most, to use a phrase we use here often, the most D and D ass tavern we've visited yet. Mm-hmm. And and by this D and D ass tavern, you mean the Copper Coronet. The Copper Coronet, yes. Mm-hmm. Where And the Copper Coronet is, uh, I think, whenever you kick someone out of your party, they go back here. That's true, because I, I when I was here, I saw Yoshimo and Minsk and just hanging around. It could probably get pretty crowded. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, for you, it's going to be. I'm, ve- I'm very curious to like see a screenshot of your Copper Coronet mm-hmm. <laughs> near the end of the game. Sure. So uh, I'm just going to list off 
like some stuff that happens here. Actually, you tell me what happened the minute that you walked into the Copper Coronet. The moment I walked into the Copper Coronet, there were three fellows, and one of them insulted me. And I said, you better take that back. And this fellow said, I'm not taking it back. And do you want to fight? And I said, I'm not going to not fight you. And fade to black, fade in. We're in a fighting pit somewhere. Yes, fade to black, fade in, and we are in a fighting pit. And he attacks me, and I hit him a few times, and he explodes. Fade to black. I'm back where, and then fade in, I'm back at the entrance of the tavern. And I talk to one of his friends, and his friend's like, you killed our friend. We're very upset. They, they walk out of the tavern. Did you make a bunch of money? I got, like, some experience. Hmm. I did not. Yeah. There, so, before it faded to black and I appeared in the fighting pit, the, uh, the fellow who was mean-mugging me uh, kind of turned to this kind of... Uh, skeevy looking guy in the corner who is and and he said hey we're gonna we're gonna go down there and the guy was like okay so already i know there are definitely some fighting pits in this establishment like i know this is like a a gladiatorial arena establishment which already clues me into like the you know the the ethics of this establishment the Mm -hmm. ethics of this joint Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so yes you got dudes who want to challenge you uh, there and here, let me list off a bunch of NPCs that are here, really sure. quick, before we talk this about is your, this. Is your thing, not my thing. Mm-hmm. So, so of course, I have to like talk around to see who I could be adding to my party. I have five people right now. I got to add my sixth. Um, and so I see Nalia Diarnice, who's part of the quest line uh, for Diarnice Hold, mm-hmm. which we will be doing at some point. That'll be really important for you because that is a um, like a base of operations quest. Sure. And it's the fighter one. I, this is all from memory from playing Baldur's Gate two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I believe this is a little, little preview of uh, later on in the game. But when you take that over, when you do that quest, you will like own a little country and you get to do like a choose your own adventure thing. Oh, that's there. fun. It's very cool. I There's a lot that. to look forward to, gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in no way spoils that. That is like the, the littlest little bit of icing on the cake of that, that quest line. Mm-hmm. Um. I talked to Lord Jared and Fearcrag, uh, who's offering 10,000 gold. To, to anyone work- that can change his name. <laughs> to anyone who could sneak into the vaults of names <laughs> and changes to Jonathan James. Brennan. <laughs> Just Brennan. Yeah. Uh, Brennan uh, um, apostrophe. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, to break the siege of Windspear Hill, Windspear Hill, Hills? I can't say heels. Heels? Mm-hmm. Windspear Hills. We can always cut that out. We've no, already, it's no, half the episode is gone. No, that'll live in there. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he wants to do that because it's being attacked by monsters, which is pretty cool. Oh, and if yeah. you remember, we need to take our dryad acorns or whatever to the Windspear Hills. Maybe mm. those are related. Mm. Oh, man. Um, there's a party member named Hexat there who, this is unclear from talking to her. She's kind of in a daze, but a friend of the show, Brian Taylor, has already talked to me about Hexat, um, and I'm pretty sure she's a vampire. How do you know that? Because he told me. 
Oh, wow. I put well, two I just two figured together. she was deeply disturbed. No, I think she's a vampire. She is new for the enhanced editions. Ooh, yeah, she she seemed a little out of place. There's mm-hmm. something a little bit too shiny about that uh about about that uh character uh portrait. Something a little too crisp about those audio files. I knew there was something. Yeah, the audio files for the other characters are like grainy. <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> it's actually like like a VHS kind of <laughs> Yeah, they've got, like, noise in them, and I like mm-hmm. that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, Animan is here. Animan is a cleric fighter, one of the better combos of those two classes in the game. Uh, but he's, like, a real goody two-shoes, and I'm probably not going to add him to my party. Corgan here, who is, like, an evil dwarf fighter uh, who wants to, like, raid tombs with you. I didn't really talk but to him. But evil in that kind of fun way, you know? Yeah, no, like I don't grave robin evil, you know. Yeah, that's not my that's not my <laughs> kind of thing. And um, then there's also a guy named Lord Rumar here, mm. and Lord Rumar is cheating on his wife, and she's running around screaming, looking for him. And so I talked to the owner of the, this establishment called Lechanan, a real creep, a real creep. I wrote that in the show notes. His voice is it's real creepy. Yeah, it, it's real creepy. And so I told him that I was interested in whatever's going on in the back rooms here. And uh, he let me have access to that. And so there's a, a little location owned by a Madame Nin, who's maybe uh, like uh, the Madame of a brothel here. So it's and- really interesting when you talk to uh, Lethanan first. Mm-hmm. When I first talked to him, I was asking, hey, I heard a rumor about slaves here because I talked to a patron who was drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me I, too. Like, gave the patron five gold, and he told me something about slaves. And when I talked to Lettinen about slaves first, that conversation went dead ended. And when I talked to him again, and I asked permission for access to the back rooms, he said, "No, you got to pay." And I had to pay either fifty gold or two hundred. And I paid fifty, and he said, "That'll just let you stay here; it won't let you in." So then I reloaded and talked to him without asking about the slaves, and he just let me in. Mm, that's awesome so that's, yeah it's really cool so like if you talk about if you like sound like a narc he will not yeah. let you in yeah no that's good but yeah so so uh yeah uh one of the one of these like things you can narc out <laughs> mm-hmm. uh is this like brothel and when you know it lord rumar is there and sure, i went sure. right down to his wife and i said yo lord rumar is up there and then uh lord rumar's mistress and his wife got into a knife fight. Whoa. And the mistress killed his wife, and then they ran away. Damn. It was pretty cool. I wonder if there is a an outcome for either one of them dying. Like, just whichever one roll dies first, based on the dice rolls. Mm. I should have reloaded the game to find out. Because that's a cool thing that, like, a D&D system can allow you to do, right? Sure. Is just be like, I don't know, depending on the rolls, one of these two people is going to live. <laughs> so you didn't care much for slavery in this game. Balthazar, despite his um, kind of power for the sake of power ideology, Mm -hmm. finds uh, slavery morally abhorrent because uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need slaves to like accomplish the goals you have Mm -hmm, because he's an ANCAP. He's a, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like more, more or less. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but no, he's he, he's uh, he doesn't believe that he thinks it's a, the biggest sign of weakness is uh, is owning a person. Dang, 
that's that's pretty good. You should you should write like uh, a, like a Nietzschean book of Balthazar's aphorisms. Mm-hmm. I bet some people here would. Thus spoke. Thus spoke Balthazar. Uh huh. We could make that like a Patreon thing. That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be fun. Just thinking yeah. about it. So um, you went and so liberated sh- everybody. Yeah. So uh, when I found out about the slave pits, you go back there. Some guards like attack you, and you talk to a um, a gladiator named Henrik who tells you how to free everybody. You got to find like the beast master. Got to mm-hmm. find the beast master. And when you go kind of underground and you go to like, it's, it's actually kind of cool. It's where they keep all of the animals that they force to fight too. Right. Yeah. Bears and panthers and whatnot. And when you attack the beast master, he opens all the cages and all of the animals pop out and attack you. And when you kill him, you get the key, you, you release Henrik. And after Henrik's released, he says, we're, we're coming for Letanan. So I ran out and I started killing guards on my way out. And when I got to Letanan, everybody else was still behind me. And I talked to Letanan. He's like, you've really ruined my life and I'm probably going to die. And then he didn't attack me. So I attacked him and I murdered him. So when you killed the Beastmaster, did you kill him or his his like named pet first? Oh, I killed his named pet first, and he was real sad. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, we will live together forever. <laughs> he has like his own little piece of dialogue about it. Yeah, I found it very sad. Yeah, as well. I know I I followed uh, what was his name Henrik. Henrik. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I let him lead because I didn't want to get killed. Sure. Even though I have five people rolling around with me and skull trap. And skull trap. Well, you can't really cast that into civilians. That's going to be bad. <laughs> skull trap does not discriminate uh, amongst party members, civilians, and, uh, and and enemies. Lord Belt has not authorized its use in uh, in dangerous areas where collateral damage can happen. No. And uh, when the Myth Draenor inspectors show up, <laughs> like you don't want skull trap anywhere near lying you. around. No, you can't. You have to hide that stuff. Sure. So so yeah so but we did the same thing and then uh, Henrik he takes over the copper coronet yeah he says this is mine now real rags to riches story yeah well I mean he, I think he was like an enslaved gladiator I think he said for years but before that you know what he did what was he he ran a really popular inn yeah so he did that and then he gave me an extra leg of that quest mm-hmm. which is uh, there is a group of slavers. The, the same group of slavers, and they, uh, while this is like their entertainment arm, what they really do, like their import-export is somewhere else in the slums. Sure. Oh, uh, really weirdly, too, I was wandering around uh, up where Madame Nin is, and I was like mm-hmm. going through all of the different rooms there, and I found gloves of pickpocketing up there. Whoa. Some dude was asleep, and they were on his thing. And there was a really funny... This is just a quick aside. I'll put it in the video. The description for the gloves of pickpocketing, I think, make the implication that... You remember the hedge wizard at High Hedge? Yeah. I think... The guy guy who turned that fellow into a chicken. Yeah. So the guy who owned the the gloves of pickpocketing, I think, stole them from him. Because the the body was found between Baldur's Gate and Baragost. And I can't think of another wizard that would be there. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. That is cool. But anyway. So, he so yeah, this, you, 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 you go after these slavers. 
I do. And then I cast a spell in the streets and I got in trouble. <sighs> mm-hmm. They said, you get one warning. And so I used my Baldur's Gate memory from way back and I went to the government district and I found the guy and I said, hey, I want to be able to cast magic. And he says, you have to make a monetary sacrifice. Those are his exact words. <laughs> monetary <laughs> sacrifice in order to get that. And he told me it would cost 5,000 gold. So I paid this guy 5,000 gold to leave me alone forever. Damn, that's a quarter of the way to, to your goal. Yeah, so that was kind of a money sink on my end. But on my way there, I found uh, Viconia. Oh, Vi- yeah. Uh-huh. Viconia was um, being burned at the stake. I remember being, that. For being a drow uh, and more fancy racism. And I pulled her off of the stake. And uh, I said, hey, you people can't do that. And I think... Uh, Bashaba, is that the name of the Bashaba, the, the goddess of ba- ill fortune? Yeah. So a priest of Bashaba was um, was was trying to kill her. So we in turn killed that priest and then ran away. So now Viconia is in my party. I got a full party of six. Bashaba is the kind of the evil twister of Timora. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. We've we've talked about this before. God, let's keep let's keep going. Let's keep let's keep on doing it. <laughs> um but yeah so so i do that that's a little side quest boop mm-hmm. bop down went over there and uh i go back and i go to the slaver's house and there's a dude posted out front and he's like uh you don't need to come here and i just repeatedly keep clicking on i'm pr- like this thing that's uh, like a dialogue option it's very close to i think there are slaves in there sir <laughs> like it's like a very like kind of polite but direct response and i clicked on it more than one time in this in trying to figure out how to progress through this dialogue mm-hmm. and eventually he just got annoyed with me and attacked me like mm. i don't think i picked a unique dialogue option which is interesting wow it's the nuber effect yeah it is the nuber effect in fact maybe we just went through the loop a number of times mm-hmm. but uh so i go in and it's like not a super complicated thing i mean there are people there and uh, it's a hard encounter in that I'm using like a lot of spells and I'm, I'm going down to very little health. But uh, it's not killing me. Although in the middle of the fight, or right in between two fights, I guess, Jahira says, um, <laughs> I have it written down. She says, I remember seeing Gorion here. And Which your like, theory is that she's just meant to say this somewhere in the district. Yeah, she's supposed to say it in Om somewhere on the streets. Sure. And so we're in this like like horrible house of slavery and murder and violence where like children are trapped to be like trafficked over to other fantasy lands. And she's like, I remember seeing your father here. (laughs) It's very strange. It's a very dissonant moment in uh, Baldur's Gate too, but it's pretty normal. I mean, you just kind of go through here and you didn't do any of this. Yeah, I had a dream instead, but we'll get to that. I, I guess we'll talk about that at the end. But yep. were, were were there only humans there? No, there were two Yuan Ti here, which are like half lizard people. Sure, and I, I don't know if they were like slaves because there are also some trolls here that are enslaved, and you have to kill them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was that kind of scenario. I don't know if they were like part of the caravan. I think if they Yuan- were complicit or allies. Or- yeah, I think that UNT show up again in this game later in mm-hmm. the game, and I, I wonder if there's going to be a connection there that we need to be looking out for. But it was very strange. They just happened to be here, and I I fought them. Mm. And there's like a captain um, who like is specialized in throwing axes, and he was straight up killing Yoshimo. Like it was brutal. <laughs> 
Like, it, it was rough. I had to, like, break line of sight <laughs> to keep from dying. But, uh, but yeah, I did that, and there were some children, and then I uh, freed all the children, and I gave them 100 gold, and then Yoshimo immediately said, knowing the city as well as I do, uh, they'll probably be robbed of that gold immediately. Hmm. Yeah, he's a real uh, negative guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether that's true or not. He sounds confident. Well, I mean, it seems like he needs protection from negative energy. Ooh. Oof. How about that? Yeah. Well, anyway. Do you think instead of therapy (laughs) in the Baldur's Gate universe, it's better just to have someone cast protection from negative energy on you? I mean, that's probably better, in all honesty, because when you go to therapy and you're on your way home after having that really nice session with with your therapist and you get attacked by a ghoul... You're going to get home and be level drained. And it doesn't matter how, like, uh, you know, how uh, you've been able to talk through your issues or how you feel like you're making a breakthrough. When you're level two again, you're going to get depressed, right? Yeah. Does getting level drained rob you of therapeutic progress? I think even with the therapeutic progress, it's like, yeah, I'm making issues with my mom and dad, but now I'm level two. Hmm. Hmm. Now, That's like, rough. the dog that barked at me can murder me now. Oh, dang. That's bad. Yeah. That's right. But anyway, when you, fall, when you go to sleep uh, after some point, um, probably some point after Chapter 2 starts, to, to be honest, uh, if you sleep at an inn, uh, you go into a dream sequence. And the dream sequence is, uh, I don't think you had this dream sequence, right? No, I did not. You are in Candlekeep, and you're the protagonist, and you're speaking to Emelwyn, and Emelwyn's like, oh, kind of like talking about nostalgia. Can can you even remember? And and it's kind of an ethereal Candlekeep that's kind of floating in a void, right? So instead of fountains, there are just these holes to nothing. Um, Kind of a gloomy, cloudy background. And you walk around, and you see, you know... You see statues of Gorion and Elminster, and 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 everyone's saying, "Oh, I can barely remember these people." And I think it's an interesting doing double duty uh, cutscene in terms of a talking about, "Hey, we're in a new narrative, and and uh, and but we're still going to catch you up on like some of the stuff that happened." Because you also go to Saravok, and and Emelwyn explicitly says, "Ah, oh, this was the." This was our nemesis uh, before, and we, we were after this person, and we defeated this person, but now we're, we're slowly forgetting this person. And it's kind of the game saying, hey, this stuff happened, but you don't necessarily need to know about it mm-hmm. to play the game. And then finally the hooded figure comes, and, uh, well, not the hooded figure. I'm, I need to retrain yeah, myself. He's not the hooded figure anymore. Irenicus, sans hood, shows up and, uh, and says the things that we've heard him say dozens of times you are not yet ready (laughs) you've yet to even tap into your true potential the galactic republic cannot they do not understand governance (laughs) the trade federation if only you were to look at the tax program and and the import export ratio you would see that this is not sustainable droids oh Join us uh, every other Monday for um, Baldur's Gate Star Wars Episode One Crossover Hour. So you did that. You had that vision. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, that was that was kind of it. I think that uh, 
we kind of we kind of did a a big little chunk of the you know the promenade we did a big chunk of the the slums there may be a few more things in the slums because we were kind of led around just house to house there right yeah yeah there i think there are a couple more things in the slums but not really and a lot of the stuff in the slums are just pointing us other places mm-hmm. like there's a giant planar sphere <laughs> Like a, a literal giant sphere that's just kind of like blooped up in the upper left corner, and we can't really do anything about that right now. That's kind of mm-hmm. the payoff from like two more quests, mm-hmm. and I and actually got the bread cl- breadcrumb for that quest uh, while I was in the government district. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. gotta go to the Umar Hills, find a guy named, so, named Valagar. So where are we going next? I are we staying in the city? Are we getting out of the city? I think we're going to stay in the city. I think we're going to go to the temple district. Okay. Because there's a very cool quest line over in the Temple District that I think will make for a very good episode. That's fun. And we just, we need to desperately pack in the good episodes now. Mm hmm. Gotta keep them coming so people Gotta keep, them coming, keep showing yeah. up. Yeah. So people, we can't, we can't be like, okay, guys, we're just gonna go to uh, the northwest corner of, of the map and we'll just see what's there. We're gonna make our whole way back down. Did you notice that Watcher's Keep is already unlocked? Is it really? You could just go there right now. I did not notice that. For people who don't know, Watcher's Keep is the, uh, what is the the thing you did in, in Baldur's Gate 1 that I didn't do? The Durlag Tower. Durlag's Tower, yeah. Mm-hmm. Watcher's Keep is like the, the hardcore, difficult puzzle thing of Baldur's Gate 2. So yeah, for the next five episodes, uh, Kunzelman will be going to the remaining uh, districts of, the, of Baldur's Gate, and I will just be... Working my way through Watcher's Keep, uh, one encounter and sit at a time, and then sitting down and resting for several months, and then kind of grinding my way through. Mm-hmm. No, that is not going to happen. We're both going to be in the Temple District. Could have happened. Wrong. Could have. All okay. I had to all I had to do was commit, and it would have happened. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, our theme song for season three is made by John Fio aka audio sprite you can see a link to his stuff down in the description uh at silverskinned on twitter made the the funnel cartoon versions uh, of us that are emblazoned on everything maybe we'll make a t-shirt let's make a t-shirt let's do that we'll make a t-shirt i'll do it i'll make a t-shirt um you can follow us on twitter you can follow us on uh facebook or you can hit like on facebook you should hit like on facebook i post all the the contents over there you should make sure you can like and subscribe to like this video and subscribe to us on youtube uh, me saying this so eloquently probably definitely makes you want to do that um and uh thanks to everyone who comments we we love to to read the comments even uh, the incredibly incredibly long comments we we read them all even if we don't respond to them point by point and we may, uh, maybe we'll implement a feature in kind of future episodes where maybe at the top of an episode, we'll, we'll talk about some of the like really insightful or like interesting points made in some of the feedback we get, because there, it might be, it might be worth the airtime. So that means you have to produce some insightful comments, crowd, <laughs> YouTube users. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Well, this was uh, Mages and Murder Dads episode 21. Come back next Time for episode 22. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. That's how numbers go. All right. Ciao. Goodbye. I wonder.